You're listening to audio from the Village Church, a community that's formed by the gospel and sent on God's mission, gathering weekly in the heart of downtown Hamilton, Ohio. For more information about the village or to connect with us, you can find us online at myvillagechurch.com. Hey, all. My name is Michael. I'm one of the pastors here. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. Would you pray with me? Father, thanks for the gift of getting to gather together as your church, as your family, as your body. I pray that you would let us humbly sit under your word, that we would learn together today, that we would grow together today, that you would show us that that you are one and you make yourself uh, known through many, in so many ways, in this room for the good of our neighborhoods, for the good of our city, for the good of this world, and you do that until you come, would you invite us into your family, invite us in your kingdom, would you invite us to turn from our ways and turn towards you, we love you, we need you, in Jesus' name, amen. So there's this concept of, of junk art and it's like exactly what you would think that it is it's art made of junk right um it it takes stuff that's discarded or or no longer useful and it makes it kind of a thing of beauty i'll show you just a couple pictures on the screen real quick and you can like look this stuff up but um i will show you on the screen chad can you hit that slide i blame matt for that matt is the distraction that's not chad's fault uh, a couple things there, right? So that, that top left thing is wild looking. It's made of tires, all right, which otherwise just shredded and, and discarded or whatever. That middle thing is actually floppy disk. Now, I don't know who would, it would call floppy disk junk, but apparently they're discarded, no longer needed. Uh, in the, the pyramid deal is like a bajillion people made of junk. Uh, that turtle is made of like computer components, discarded circuit boards and whatnot. That saber-toothed tiger-looking thing is made of, like, chains and scrap metal, right? You, you get the idea, right? So you can take that off the screen now. The, the cool thing about that is uh, two things. One, it's, it's redeeming what is otherwise discarded or unuseful, and that's, like, that's a good thing, right? It's essentially recycling junk and giving it purpose again. And, and the second thing is it's bringing seemingly isolated and unremarkable things together to form an image of beauty. And that is, that's cool. It's like uh, the Transformers for some of you or, or Power Rangers. It's like these things that like by themselves, like, okay, but when they come together, like with our powers combined, we create Captain Planet. All right. Um, similarly, our God is a God who redeems broken stuff. Like that's what that's what he does. In fact, one uh, of these art exhibits, I'll, I'll show you in a few minutes, it's called We're All Made of Junk, which is like f- fair, all right? Uh, a little bit like downplaying the, the role of humanity, but like you can see where they're going with that. Um, the, the second thing that we see is, is the way in which God brings seemingly isolated, unremarkable things together to form an image of beauty, and really, as we're looking at this, these passages that are difficult, and, and again, like we talked about last week, we, we all come in with baggage as we hear these things, and we, 
we, we read this text and we see that this is God's word and yet how does it show up in our life? The, the push in Phil's pen today is that, that no one is beyond the use of God. And you may feel that way, but, but no one is discarded and useless and, and our work in Christ is to build up through our difference. That's what, that's what God does in us, right? He builds us up by our difference and through our difference. And even in spite of our differences, we all know that, uh, that unhealthy view of, of people and things that are different lead to terrible things, terrible heartache and, and power dynamics. And in and, and elementary school, it's, it's bullying. And on the global stage, it's genocide. That's what, that's what we do when we look at our distinction and our difference with, with unhealthy glasses on, but that's not what God is inviting his church into today. So, so we're talking about spiritual gifts, and on a high level, on Sunday last week and the next couple weeks uh, beyond this, we're, we're going to just be kind of wading through this text on a high level. We get to process and bring some of this stuff to bear and ask some questions and, and try to figure some of this stuff out in community group throughout the week. And so we have groups that meet in homes throughout the week. And, and I hope that the last week uh, you had an experience like me where we just got to kind of talk about our experiences and submit them to the scripture and try to figure out what it looks like to live um, this way together. And then to fill in some gaps further, in November, uh, David Kreklau and Angie Dickin are kind of working together, and um, the elders have been reading a lot of stuff for, for like, honestly, for, for 18 months to try to make sure that what we're, what we're leading in is, is supported in Scripture, but also changes the way that we live. And, and as I've said before, the, the idea is that we're bridging some Gaps to make sure that what we believe shows up in how we live, right? And I hope that's true for you all. So today we're talking about spiritual gifts, and we see the same truths uh, in these as we learn from, from John made known through many for the good of all. <clears throat> Pastor, theologian Wayne Grudem, he summarizes spiritual gifts this way. He says, spiritual gifts are given to until Christ returns. Right? Spiritual gifts are given to the church to carry out its ministry until Christ returns. And, and we're in chapter 12, hanging out here now, but, but way back in chapter 1, when, when Paul first started writing this, he, he kind of helps set the stage a little bit. He tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, he says, you are not lacking anything, uh, I'm sorry, you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. So out the gate, you might feel like, gosh, but what I have is not enough, or what we have is, is not enough. And what Paul says is, is you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Gifts are for the church to carry out its mission until Christ returns. And when that happens, that which is perfect will have arrived Jesus at the end of, of days as we know them, and by and large, the gifts that we read about here, they will no longer be relevant because the mission will be complete. Now, today, we live in the meantime, and so these gifts are relevant, and they are useful for the building of God's church. So we're going to look at this in kind of three chunks, and the first one is this, the Spirit gives gifts of all sorts. 
Or maybe another way of saying that would be like the Spirit gives gifts not at all like Cain's gives chicken, right? Um, at Cain's, you have one option and you have one sauce, and like your options are like more chicken or less chicken. And that's kind of the deal, right? I found out recently you can get honey mustard there. If you don't like the cane sauce, that's a thing. But uh, the options are essentially more or less. The Spirit is, is not that way, right? The Spirit gives gifts of all sorts, like the, the variety pack is what the Spirit does. Or, or like some seasonal favor that some get and some don't. Or, or like uh, some promo code exclusive that, that some have access to it. A particular aspect of the Spirit and a particular aspect or a particular gift of the Spirit. And some don't. And when we look at that at face value, we think, oh, that's, that's not fair. That's, that's no good, all right? But the point is, no one has all of them, and, and we need one another. And this is a good thing. So as we look at this, 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 4, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. The Spirit gives gifts of all sorts. And he's building this case for unity. And what, what Paul is doing, he's, he's using the opportunity to express the perfect picture of unity, the Trinity. And so he points us to uh, the same Spirit who is one, the same Lord, and the same God who, who work together eternally backwards and eternally, uh, eternally forwards in, in perfect harmony, in perfect unity each esteeming the other. Jesus coming to please the Father, Jesus sending the Spirit to glorify the Son, the Spirit equipping the church to, to bring to light the work of redemption through Jesus. So there are a variety of gifts and variety of service and variety of activities. And what we do, or is maybe like what I like to do, is I look at that and I, I begin to think in categories, like because we need clean lines. And, and don't get me wrong, in my sermon notes, I, I do have a chart in there, right, that you'll never see. But, but the point of this is not, it's, it's not to, to give us categories. It's, it's not to uh, give us definitions. It doesn't seem like Paul is emphasizing categories to help you kind of like take a spiritual gifts test that you might be studying for, Right? And I don't know, uh, maybe you don't know anything about that, but kind of where I come from, like, as part of, like, uh, you become a new member, and then you, you take a spiritual gift test, and it tells you, like, where you can serve, <laughs> right? I, I think what Paul would say is, that's fine, and all right, I'm not just throwing shade at that unnecessarily, but I wouldn't put all of my stock in that, that's for sure. Um, what, what Paul would tell us, I think, is, is the best test for for how God is gifting you is to live life together in community, right? And to see how he uses you to build the body around you and to ask others around you like, gosh, where do you see God's gifts in me? And let them affirm and esteem and, and uh, exhort and, and speak life into you, right? So, so there are several places in the New Testament uh, which offer lots of kind of lists like this one. Um, and none of them are exhaustive. None of the lists have all of the things, and, and which is why I'll, I'll say this over and again. It's, it's not trying to, to give us all of the, the things and the categories. The list that Paul speaks to in this chapter looks like this. Utterances of wisdom. He, he shows up in gifts of all sorts. He shows up in utterances of wisdom. 
utterances of knowledge. Now, because they use the word utterance, then we're already thinking like this sounds like mystical, right? This sounds like I have to like enter into some spiritual cosmic trance where my eyes spin and then like I say words and I flash and I say, what did I say? I, I, I don't think that's what's going on here. I'm not. Could the spirit do that? He, he could. Is that what Paul's getting at? No. He, he's talking about gifts that use words. Wisdom and knowledge. And, and then he, he, he goes forward and he talks about faith and healing and miracles and prophecy. These are gifts of, of kind of like, like deed gifts. And then he goes back and, and he finishes the list with like the ability to distinguish spirits, various kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues. These are things that are spoken. These are, are, are word gifts. So what do uh, these things mean, right? Well, I could talk to you for a, a long, long time and you can dig around and, and read stuff, and, and certainly um, all this stuff isn't agreed upon by and large, but, but I think this is where I would see these things coming true. Wisdom and knowledge, it's, it's applied truth. It's those using uh, the gift that, that the Spirit has given them to, to bring to, to bear Scripture and, and showing up uh, gospel speech versus what Paul have, has already kind of pushed against those that speak cleverly. So it's not like this perfect uh, speech that, that has all these things that are flowery and, and showy. These people that, that have a clever, flowery speech void of power. But it's people who, who can make known wisdom and knowledge and knowledge of Jesus. Faith. What does it mean to have the gift of faith? Well, I, I, I don't know, but it seems like uh, he, he's talking about those that, that have kind of like mountain-moving faith, that their belief is so strong, and, and all faith is from the Spirit, but, but some have like a, an excessive amount of, of faith. And you probably know people, you're like, oh my gosh, that like, they just like trust God no matter what. And, and we all get to do that. Healings and miracles, pretty straightforward. God uses them and, and their prayers to bring about healings and miracles. Prophecy, pretty straightforward. I'm kidding, it's not. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll talk about that a, a bit next week, but it's essentially kind of intelligible, uh, things that you can understand, messages from the Spirit that are not in conflict with Scripture. We've been building this out last week, and, and we'll continue to do that, and they're meaningful to the hearer, the one who hears the words that come out of their mouth. Discernment. Or, or as it says in this translation in the ESV, um, it says uh, ability to distinguish spirits. What is that? Well, I don't know, but it seems like it's evaluating legitimate spiritual truths. And, and some say it like this, like as there, are, there is the gift of tongues and interpretation, and there's the gift of prophecy and discernment. And it's, it's being able to like um, it, it's, it's in the vein of interpretation uh, likened to tongues. And, and what it means is, is you're, you're able to uh, understand what someone is saying and, and determine whether or not that is, is true. Various tongues. 
Uh, is that an unknown language? Is that a known language? Is that a private language? Is that a public language? Uh, ch- sure, right? And, and, and it's all over the spectrum on where people land with this stuff. And I know, like, gosh, if you're, if you're feeling uncomfortable, like, it's okay. We're reading the Bible together, and we're figuring it out, all right? So, so some even think that, that speaking in tongues in, in a room where people might not understand what you're saying is actually a language that, like, you could... Uh, reverse engineer. If you listen to it, you can like decode it. Like I'm not there. I don't, I don't sit there, but I know some great theologians that I trust who do sit there. And some would say, well, like what we see in Acts when the Holy Spirit showed up and, and Peter preaches this message. And there are people from all over. It's like the world's fair, the day of Pentecost. There are people from everywhere. And everyone understood the gospel, the hope that they have in Jesus in their native tongue. How is that possible? Right? So, so, he, he spoke in a language. They heard it in their own language. And Peter's not translating, and they didn't have Google Translate. It wasn't doing that, but it was essentially the Spirit doing just that. Interpretation. Again, there's mystery here. Building up. So it's, it's either a, a language that is to be understood or one that is not, but the person with the gift of interpretation uh, understands what that person is saying. And they can actually communicate that to others. You'll notice that some of those things have not happened in the gathered assembly in this church. And I want you to know that if you're like, oh, this is what type of church we're at today, right? Um, We're the type of church that gets to submit our lives to the scriptures and, and figure out what it looks like here. But you've probably not seen these things show up in this gathering. probably not seen these things show up in your community group, but I know there are people who have seen these things show up in your life, and that's why we're leaning into this stuff together. Later on, at the end of this chapter, uh, Paul talks about, he he gives another list, and he says, uh, essentially, those apostles and prophets and teachers and and, and miracles and healing and, and those that, that do uh, like helps or those that are helping, it's kind of a catch-all. Those that do administrating and those that, that speak in tongues. Here's the thing. No one gifted in administration or in teaching or with faith or in serving or in speaking are going to say something like this. Like, you didn't hear me today. Say, like, I don't know, I think the, the Spirit has gifted me with the, the gift of teaching, so I'm going to put that gift on display right now, and I'm going to teach you the Scriptures. No one says that. That would, be, that would be weird. No one says, well, here's the thing. I'm, I'm gifted with the gifts of service, so I'll go ahead and empty the trash while everyone else listens. No, no one says that. And yet, when we talk about certain gifts, we think, well, I'm the one with the gift of such and such. And really what Paul's doing is he's pushing against that. He's pushing against identity as any of these things, all right? And so what we see is we we know this clearly. Uh, No one's going to step forward and say, uh, I I have this gift as my identity. And and if you do, then the people who know you best should say, "Hey, hey, bro, like, that's not who you are. Like, what you do is not who you are. And, and no one's going to, to stand up and, and nail these gifts perfectly. Oh, the, the one with the gift of teaching, everything he says is perfect. No. The one with the gift of serving or mercy or helps or administration, like they're going to make clerical errors in their spreadsheets. 
And yet, some of these gifts, we put this elevation on as if to say, nope, it has to be perfectly right. And so, what, what this is doing is creating some space for us to be used by the Spirit in ways that He would, he would uh, desire for us to be used. And, and we, we get to do that with freedom and, and, and with grace among our brothers and sisters. So here's the thing, definitions, they're important. If we don't understand things, if we don't get it, then we can't live it. All right, we have to understand what's true about God and from God in order to live a life uh, in light of him, in order to practice our Christian life. But Paul's certainly mindful of the correction needed at, at the church at Corinth, and, and they're clearly making a big deal about these things and claiming their identity and, and lots of things that are tied up into these things. He's certainly mindful of that, but he isn't attempting to give a detailed list. In fact, one says it this way. He seems that Paul was almost randomly listing a series of different examples as gifts as they come to his mind. You know what that does for me? It like lets me sigh deeply. It's not which one do I have, do I, uh, like, I don't feel like I have, no, he's saying the Spirit shows up in lots of ways, see, 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 since he seems to be serving his, his greater purpose in this chapter, it, it's not serving our own, what, what gift, when, how, I'm not too worked up about it because I don't think Paul is is too worked up about it. As much or, or, or little uh, of whatever he offers me or you or whoever or us together, we get to put it to work. The Holy Spirit gives gifts of all sorts. The second thing is, is this. The Spirit gives gifts for common good. One body, many members. So he says in, in verse 12, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for common good. All right, manifestation, you might be like, that is a weird word, or I have no idea what that word is, or you're like, hey, there's a show called Manifest, right? And, and maybe that's the only inter interaction you have with that word, and that's, okay, two kind of significant clarifiers here. One, manifestation means he, he shows up. Gifts are given, but, but they're not uh, like slung on the porch like a package delivered, and then the Holy Spirit heads back to the delivery van, and he Google Maps to the next recipient so that he might distribute that gift and move on. That's, that's not what the word means. That's not what manifest means here. In, in fact, it's, it's much more personal than that. The gifts that he gives are actually the Spirit himself who who dwells inside of us. It's the Spirit making himself visible through the varied expressions of himself through his church. Like the word manifestation is, is uh, an event, an action, or an object that clearly shows or embodies something. It means to make visible. And so you hear this around like ghost stuff and like, uh, like uncle so-and-so like manifest, see the picture if you sh shake it, right? It's like it's to make it visible and, and maybe in a different way. Like I think Kim shared something this week, uh, a picture of me next to a picture of Titus. Um, and it was like 
you know, like the same age, and it looked very similar, okay? Um, my hair was slightly better, but <laughs> other than that, it's cool. I was going to put it on the screen, but here's what, I thought that would be a bit of a distraction, all right? You can, you can look it up, or you can just ask us to stand next to each other. It's fine. But here's the thing, like what that reveals, it's, it's like part of me being manifest, and, and Kim says this repeatedly, like, oh gosh, we got together when we were 14, so she's like, oh, it's like raising Michael all over again. But for real, but for real. And I love the guy, but it's like, like, we joke around, like, we can, like, read each other's mind. Like, we, we can, like, rock, paper, scissors, and we can, we can, like, get the same thing, like, seven times in a row. Like, like we just have, like, we know how each other are, are thinking, and we, we look similar and whatever. That, that's me. That's part of me showing up in who he is. But even more so, the spirit who actually is inside of us, living among us, the spirit inside of us, literally showing himself through us in the gifts that he gives. Or as Paul says, to each is given the manifestation of the spirit for what? For the common good. He gives the gift of his presence. He reveals it through our gifts. It's expressed through many for the common good, for the good of all. And there's this thing called common grace that we look at and we see this world is so messed up. And like there's so much brokenness and darkness and all the things. And yet we see like, like glimmers of light and, and we see like uh, sketchings of beauty coming from it. And it's God's common grace to us, right? That he doesn't just destroy us all. And in God's family, in particular in the church, he, he advances good by building community in us and through us. And what he's telling us is, is that nothing about any of this is for show, and nothing about any of this is for self, and nothing about any of this is to build our identity or our brand. It's for the, it's for the common Good. It's bigger than just us. None of these gifts undermine the word that, that's founded upon the prophets and the apostles and, and Jesus as the cornerstone. None of these gifts are given to undermine Jesus and his finished work in redemption, only to further it. None of these gifts are, are given for the individual to boast in. Hey, look how great I am. None of these gifts are given to demonstrate a, a hierarchy or kind of a tiered version of Christianity where there are those just common Christians and there are those super spiritual Christians. Like, just look at the gifts they have. As if to say, just look at the gift they are. Like, I've been in rooms where I felt that. And I, I know that some of us, like, live out of that. And Paul's pushing against it. And he's saying, just the opposite it's not about these things making you who you are, but all these things are opportunities. Uh, it's not an opportunity to condemn or to heap guilt, but to lead us to, to give thanks to God, to, to live for his glory, and to find our joy in advancing common good, him through us. In, in fact, the reason Paul writes is for the exact opposite reason, that we might be unified in our Diversity, And he goes on, and, and in the middle of this chapter, he gives, like, uh, this really great analogy, and, and he says, you know, um, 
He's emphasizing the one. He says, just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members uh, of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. And he, and he continually points to the fact that Jesus is the one that unites us all together. He says, for in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. And he, and he says, we're all different, Jews and Greeks and slaves and, and free. We're all made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. And the analogy is, uh, but, but if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong. Or, or you sitting right where you are, there's no jealousy of others. It, it's not, uh, I don't fit in because my role isn't prominent. And I'm just hanging out back here. It's no, you do fit in because your role isn't prominent. And then he goes on and, and he says, uh, if the whole were an eye, then where would be the sense of um, hearing? And if everyone were, were ears, then where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. We need each other, and the Spirit gives his church exactly what his church needs. The Spirit gives gifts for common good. And the third thing is this. The Spirit gives gifts as he wills. This is grace. The emphasis is that the gifts are not for leverage and they're not for power and they're not for... Uh, for us building our empire, but for the Holy Spirit building us up for the mission that Jesus sends, equipping, unifying, building as he chooses. He says it this way in verse 11. All these are empowered by the one and same Spirit who apportions each one individually as he wills. And, and I understand that can that can either lead you to despair or it can lead you to the freedom to, to trust God as, as the greatest gift giver that's up to far greater things than, than any of us have eyes for. Peter talks about gifts like this in, in 1 Peter chapter 4. He just gives two categories which is helpful, or again, if you're looking at the list and you're checking the box and you're saying, which one do I? Peter says, well, there, there are just two, and, and, and I don't think he's being exhaustive either. He's not giving the whole list. He's just saying it looks like this. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks the word of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. That's the two categories. Whoever speaks and whoever serves. Man, I don't think he's here today. There's this guy, his name is Jeremy Wallen, right? And he's a part of this family. And some of you, like many of you, you might not know Jeremy. Jeremy uh, and Jennifer were here before the village even had their, like, 
their inaugural kickoff. They've been here from way since, even before the, the beginning of the village existing, before October 18th, 2009, the Wallens were hanging out with us. Many of you don't know him because Jeremy, like, he, he, has, he is gifted in, in ways that serve, right? Jeremy's not up here. He went to Guatemala with us, and then the week after, we got up here, and, and he, like, made sure he was out of town so he wouldn't have to get it. I'm, I'm kidding, Jeremy. I know you didn't do that. Did you do that? Did you do that, Jeremy? Um, he's not one that speaks, but he serves so much that this week I'm, like, scrolling through, and, and one of y'all, I think, somebody had, like, a flat tire stuck on the side of the road somewhere, and, and Jeremy's literally like, hey, do you need help? And you know what I'm saying? I'm like, I would love for that person to be helped. Look, I'm not like pitting gifts. I, I'm not saying that we all can't serve. I'm not saying that we all can't speak. Jeremy needs to speak. And, and when we were in Guatemala, he did. He was like Guatemala Jeremy. He was different, right? <laughs> the real story, like people outside, just like people, armed guards, like AKs and all this. And Jeremy just comes up, can't even speak Spanish. He's just talking to him. And we're like, what is happening right now? Who is this guy? Jeremy's not identified, it's not his identity as a servant, but man, the Spirit uses him to serve, right? Peter goes on, he says, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him be glory forever. Those who speak and those who serve. So here's my question, who or what are spiritual gifts about? You might, up to this point, we are one and three quarters of the way into this, uh, sermons into this series, and you might be like, gosh, I really thought we would be like, I thought it would be a, a little more wild in here by now. <laughs> the gifts are not, they're not about you. They're not about me. The gifts are about God not us. They are for others through us. And, and we're, we're gifted the presence of God and his presence shows up in measure just as he intends. And, and, and we get to use the gifts or be used by him through our gifts as he gives, right? We use these passages so often in, in kind of theological circles to, to lift up the gifts. And Paul wrote these verses to downplay the gifts, not as irrelevant, but, but as normal in the life of the church and believers to convict sin, to, to lead us to the truth of the gospel and redemption in Jesus, to guide to truth and to glorify Jesus. So what, what we've been doing, right, and, and what Paul sets us up to do is, is like uh, you wouldn't just go give a 16-year-old uh, keys and throw it and say, hey, go get them. But before they're 16, you probably have some conversations. He's saying, I'll get to the stuff, and we'll talk about prophecy and tongues, and we'll try to do that next week, and we'll figure it out humbly, full of grace together. But he's just laying the foundation that it, it's, it's not about those things. And if you think that it is, then you, then you don't need the keys. So we get to seek the gifts 
especially those that build the entire community. See, the outline here is, is spiritual gifts, those listed and those not. But the heart behind Paul's correction is, is, is this. It's, it's being prideful and boasting in what is from God as if we had anything to do with it. The heartbeat of what's going on here is, is, is that whatever we have and whatever we do are opportunities for unity and, and to bring glory to Jesus. Anything that you have, anything that you do is, is for that purpose. And, and does that mean that you can't live life and see good days and, and uh, go about your life enjoying things and laughing and having fun and, and saving money and, and spending money and, and eating at decent places and, and scraping by to, to eat this? Anything that you do, anything that you do is an opportunity to, to let the work of the Spirit shine through you to make much of Jesus. Whenever Whenever the church or whenever a particular church begins to boast in its spiritual successes, be that numbers or its influence or its baptisms or its, its book deals or its budgets or the, the spiritual gifts that show up, and most all of those things, they're not bad things. But whenever, uh, whenever a, a church begins to, to boast in those things, they begin to oppose the Spirit and His work by robbing God of his glory rather than living life to point to his greatness, his grace, his glory. And when we do that, it's no longer for God's glory alone, but it's for, for our glory. It's so easy to elevate and to prioritize and to emphasize our gifts as if they're the ones that matter most. Like, that's what we do. Like, I don't... I don't play sports I'm not good at. And so, man, I, I'm good at the ones that I play. The one that I play. I'm good at the one I play. That's, and so it's so easy for us to elevate the things that we're gifted in. And, to, and then what do we do to the others who demonstrate? We minimize those as not being important. Paul's saying, don't do that. That's, that's true for churches and it's true for, for each of us, Right? Uh, we, we can either power up with our own greatness and with our own success and, and with our health that's not uh, anything to do with us or our own abilities or our, our finances or our relationships or our influence or, or whatever we have in this life. And when we do, it undermines this principle that the Spirit gives as He wills. And when we do that, we're always going to diminish God. We're always going to elevate self. We're always going to devalue others. Let me show you one more art exhibit. So that, kind of can't really see it. A little bit you can. Literally a pile of junk with a light shining on it to make shadows of some really cool stuff. We're all made of junk. As I said, this exhibit is called in the same way, the Holy Spirit is redeeming the worst in us to unite us to shine light on the image of God among us. That's what we get.
to do. And you know what happens if one of those pieces of trash comes up and says, man, I want the spotlight. Then it, then it no longer looks like anything in the background. It looks like a pile of trash. This, this paints the picture. Each, nothing in our own right, when, when light is shown, reveals the image of, of love and of God and of Jesus died and risen to offer eternal life and hope and purpose and joy forever. The Spirit's work through us is, is not even to glorify himself, but to remind us of the work of Jesus. And if any can boast, if any could say, look how great I am, it's Jesus. And yet he came from God. He pleased the Father in every way. And certainly he did miracles and he prophesied and, and he fulfilled prophecy and did lots of things. But at the end of his life, when the mission was coming to an end, he laid down his life and he died at our hands, the hands of, of sinners, so that we might be built up in unity. So that we might be drawn to turn, to repent, to believe, to trust him, to follow him where he leads. And it's that good news that undoes our selfish pursuit. It gives us new hearts that beat and that live for him alongside others at a cost. Man, our life as humble servants is being renewed by the greatest humble servant king, Jesus. The band can come on up. Uh, I'll close this way. Uh, this past week, there was a, a death in our church family. Um, and, and so, rallying some food to help serve the family because it's a big family, right? And, and she did that, and, and we showed up to the house after the funeral, and there were all types of sides and, and desserts and peanut butter chocolate desserts, which is really good, um, baked goods, meat, all kinds of things. And, and what that was, right? That, that could be Kelly saying, hey, look how, great, look how great I am. Like, I made all of this happen. But Kelly's not done that, right? Uh, she does have blue hair. That's okay. But, but she's, she's, she's not done that, right? She didn't do that to me or to us. But what she did was deflect and say, what gifts you are? What gifts? The people have all types of skills and they, they come together. And what that is, this tiny little sliver in a, in a dining room with sides and meat and crock pots all over the place. What that was and what that is, it's a, it's a shadow of the light. It's not about the bakers or the cooks, not even about the sides or the desserts. But it's that, that we might long to fade into the shadows with all that we've been given, with all that we've been gifted, to give a clearer picture of a cross and an empty tomb and a risen servant, King Jesus, who offers us forgiveness, eternal life together with him forever. That's the mission that's why the Spirit shows up to give us good gifts. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for your goodness, for your grace, for these people. Not just this church, but the collection of churches in this city and in this county and in this world. That you give us good gifts. And you let us not um, be despaired by the fact that, that we are just a kneecap or an elbow. But, God, would you show us that each of us have value in our own right, not because of us, but because of you.
God, we love you and we need you.